How's it going, everyone? And welcome to episode 156 of the Bench Time Podcast. This is the real 156 uh, <laughs> of the Bench Time Podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley of Wiley Scale Modeling. So this week we have a special guest on the line. Uh, we won't waste any time introducing him. It is Greg Baker. And um, you've been following us for a while, so I'm, I'm glad to have you on the show finally. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. I started at episode one way back in the uh, dark ages. The I guess glory days. <laughs> yeah, you were. You were one of our yeah. first ever. <laughs> back, back from the scratchy audio and the uh, one of you is really loud and one of you sounds like you're underwater and all that. It was beautiful. <laughs> and, and we met. We actually found you first on um, Instagram as Mountain Good Greg. Yep. Yeah. Yep, I've got uh I'm all I'm kind of all over the place uh but uh, Mountain Goat Greg is my kind of go-to handle uh Facebook, Instagram, I think all my email addresses are Mountain Goat Greg at whatever.com so yeah. um yeah, send me your junk mail. Um but yeah, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty pretty active out there in the on the forums Model Railroad Hobbyist wrote a couple of articles for them too. So just kind of hanging out there. Nice. Great. I mean, we've uh, we followed you and all your work. It's beautiful stuff, and that's that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to talk a little bit about your background, like we do with anybody, and then we are going to jump right into what everybody loves: tips, tricks that you have, you know, your techniques and things like that. So, uh, and we'll you know we'll talk about ours as well. But but uh, everybody loves you know hearing about the about those types of things you having modelers on is an awesome treat especially somebody who's you know we've since we started doing the podcast like you said uh we've uh, been in contact with you over and over but it'd be great to get you on the show and uh so what when did you start model railroading how long ago was that oh man um I've kind of always messed around with trains. Uh, you know, I started out with a little wooden Brio train set when I was little. Um, when I was like 12 or 13, my parents were remodeling their house. And above the garage, they built a kind of a bonus room. And part of the construction there, they slapped two four by eight pieces of plywood into an L shape. And that was my first adventure in model railroading. So from about 13 until I moved out uh, when I was 18, I would build stuff and then tear it down and build stuff and tear it down. So uh, it never really got anywhere, uh, made huge messes and, and played around a lot. But uh, um, it was, well, we still it was, do that. We still do that. I think right? that's, I think that's all exactly. we really do. We've never, we've never matured from that. We, we are still there. So, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, Got uh, got kind of done with that part of things and uh, would spend a little time at the hobby shop, was uh, going to University of Oregon, and I uh, would hang out at the hobby shop and ended up working down there part-time on like Friday nights and weekends and during the holidays uh, and helped kind of start a uh, model railroad club there in, in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, and that's kind of got my – that was the first time – I'd actually been in a club or in any organized group at all. And my mm-hmm. knowledge went from being, oh, you know, I kind of like this stuff to kind of through the roof because you, you're working with a whole bunch of different people that have different views and different uh, talents. And you right. can kind of gleam a little bit from this guy and a little bit from that guy. 
And I've always been kind of a scenery, uh, design, artsy kind of person. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the thing I kind of glommed onto and uh, kept working on that stuff. And um, I never really took a full break because uh, I left college and went to go work for the railroad. So I kind of turned my <laughs> <laughs> turned my turned my hobby into a job, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, but you so were building little, model railways, right? You were no. I got I got to nah, run. We got got to run trains instead of you know yeah. looking at them from miniature. <laughs> so, uh, moved around a bunch. Uh, went to California. I went came back to Oregon. Moved to Kansas. Moved to Oklahoma. Moved to Idaho, and uh, finally back here in Oregon. So uh, through that whole time, I've either had some sort of workbench or I did Fremo for a while. I'd kind of a kind of a lone wolf. Uh, for some of the areas I just lived in, there was just not a lot of model railroad going on. And so, so you've and always done model railroading, no matter where you were at in your life. Pretty much, yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and um, now you, you said you've done some writing uh, as far as articles. Is that more recent, or did you do that years ago? Oh man, uh, I think my first. Public hate published uh, thing was in Model Railroad Hobbyist back in 07, 08. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was living in Kansas, I wrote a few just just kind of, uh, I think I had one on like a log truck and something else. I was building a layout in Kansas. Um, and then as I've worked on different projects and moved around, I've written a little bit here and there. Um, you know, it's just a little extra hobby money. I don't consider myself a prolific author or anything like that, but uh, <laughs> I think I have, I think I have like 10 or 11 articles that have been published through MRH over the years. Oh, so. that's great. Nice. Yeah. I love, that's, that's a magazine I always have loved. I've always loved MRH and, and um, you know, the magazine businesses, it's, it's tougher and tougher to find those magazines. I used to be able to go any newsstand here in the East. Uh, I used to be able to just buy them anywhere in a grocery store, but now it's a, it's getting tougher to do that. Now, um, have you done any writing for their web for their web articles or anything along that, that line? Or uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I've I've gotten they've got two they've got they're kind of like regular model road hobbyists and then they have their running extra mm-hmm. um, and I've gotten published in both of those uh, things I spend a lot of time in their forum I'm Mountain Goat Greg on there mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but uh, so I post I post uh, post pretty regularly on there um, and I've actually posted and they've just picked it up my post and just turned it into an article uh, that's happened yeah. a couple of times. That's kind of cool, you know. They send you a, they send you a draft and a check, and you're like, "Well, that's nice." I'm just for posting it on the internet, so um, that's kind of neat. Um, yeah, so I've got got a couple things there. Uh, I've reached out to the paper publications, and they've had some interest. But uh, in talking to people who have been published through them, it's kind of a long process uh, unless you've got something they really, really want. So. Um, I'll, I'll see. I, I expect eventually, but uh, but I haven't heard back from anybody on anything official yet. So that's super cool. Now, um, with your your modeling that we've seen a lot of, we've seen a mix of dioramas. I've seen modules. I've seen layout pictures. 
Um, and things that you've done small, just some simple small. Yeah, you have small you have pieces. some small stuff you do too, which I love. By the way, the the tiny little I think they're like two inch by two inch, or maybe a little bigger than that. Yep, they're they're right around. So the the smallest thing I kind of work on is these little dioramas. Uh, they're a little two inch by two inch. They actually fit in a, a golf ball display um, for size reference. And uh, I've got uh, little track scenes, little railroad scenes, and I've got I'm actually looking at one here, Bigfoot. I got little aliens, and um, for me, it's a lot of fun because it's just a little cool little area that you can work in. They go together kind of quick. And it's stuff that I probably would never put on a layout, um, but it it gets that kind of itch. You know, you're like, oh, that's just cool, but I don't want to make a whole, you know, Area 51 module, which right. is, you know, <laughs> it's a limited. There's a limited <laughs> amount of yeah, stuff. What are you gonna do with that? You know? what, 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 what's yeah. gonna happen with that, right? You know? Well, you know, one little alien on a little green land and some muck coming out of it. I mean, that, that, yeah. that scratches that itch, and that's cool, and I can kind of move on from that. Well, so. those little scenes that you do, the little dioramas, what do you what do? You do? You put them on a, sh- a bookshelf, or what do you do with them? I, I sell that's them. A- oh, you sell them. <laughs> See, yeah, that's very them. interesting. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. And, and you know, that's, is a, this is a section of the hobby that I would like to get into. I've even talked about it a couple times on the – on the show about doing some di- smaller diorama pieces and, um, and I, you know, I, even just for in my house, it, to now, sit in different areas of bookshelves and things like that. Now, hang on. I was going to say he sells them on Etsy. So if, if Greg wants to push okay. out his little Etsy shop right now, you, you can, t- you can definitely do that. We won't care. Yeah, We're good with that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so- Surprise, surprise, surprise. It's Mountain Goat Models on Etsy. <laughs> oh, so. there you go. Mountain Goat Models on Etsy. You've definitely owned uh, that, um, that, that, that name by now. You, you, yes, you plastered it everywhere. I, yeah, it's like I'll look up, I'll start typing Mountain Goat just for something, and it'll be three <laughs> or four of my pages or some blog. Or, you know, like, oh, hey, that's me. So, um, But they're, cool, yeah, they're so. cool dioramas. You've done some zombie ones. You've done some, mm-hmm. like... So a couple like really cool, and some of them are kind of morbid. They're they're they're. I like them. I like them. It's different. You know, I like them because it's different. So what's right. funny is those are my like my best. I I made a little grave grave scene, like a little guy dragging a body into a field to bury him. Yes, yeah. That was one of my, one of my first ones that I did, and I'm like, oh, this is never gonna sell. And those are some of the first ones to sell. Have been my little kind of little murder scenes, little morbid scenes. And um, they're, they're fun, you know, and, and I've seen them on some layouts here and there, but uh, they're, they're kind of a, a fun little, little thing to have. I actually just sold, uh, sold one yesterday. That's uh, a guy dragging a body down to a river to throw it into the river. So um, <laughs> you never know. Well, what, and the reason they, they, people might like, and the reason they sell is probably just because they're different. Like no one, no one's, you don't see that around very often. Yeah, no, I and I totally agree. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do is just something, you know, I'll come up with an idea or somebody will suggest something or, you know, little pop culture stuff. And and like I said, you, you've only invested a little two inch by two inch area and you can kind of detail it up and put it out there. And and uh, it's kind of like a lot of modeling, though, like something you're like super think, oh, man, this is great. Everyone's going to glom on this. You know, everyone has no interest in and something you're like, eh, I don't know, maybe it's okay. Everyone thinks it's the best thing ever. So <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of make whatever. I don't worry about what I think is going to sell or not. I just make it, put right. it out there, 
See what happens. Now, let's be honest, though. Do you make them because because that's, you know, you, you have more fun making them. Let's just say that. You, you probably have more fun being able to pick, like, a weird off-the-wall theme for your next little diorama than, than, than you'd like to admit. Like it, cause it oh, lets you get yeah. out of your, it lets you get out of that normal zone and you can just do whatever. Yeah. So like I'm, I'm been accused of being a rivet counter, which I am. And I used to, and I still do. I would drag my railroad books down to the hobby shop and sit there and look at the, the product that was either there or going to be pre-ordered and would go over it with a fine tooth comb and make sure that it's going to fit the era I model and the location I model and all that. And, and these, I can just kind of make up and do whatever I want. I don't have the, the self, I mean, it's self-imposed restraints. The reason I model the era and the time and all that is self-imposed, but these are just, you know, not a lot of material being used, not a lot of time, but, uh, lets you be completely creative and completely expressive and not have to worry about, Hey, does this fit in my, you know, my October of 1968? Nope. (laughs) Oh, that's, this is super cool. I'm looking at your Mountain Goat uh, models uh, site right now, and I, I I have not seen this stuff before. I've seen some of your your ones with the structures and such, uh, mm-hmm. but not some of these other ones. Like Brett was describing, I did not even know this. This is super cool because it, the, this is a section of the hobby. I, like I said before, I want to really get into is doing the smaller things as a more of a, as a sideline to what we're doing already, um, just to, to maybe a mind or mental exercise, in other words, just to try something a, a little different, a little new. I, I, like I said, I'm going to be doing a, a tank model. Uh, I ordered a tank, and I'm waiting for the, uh, the tank dioramas uh, to come from Fosco models. Um, and then I'm going to put that all together. It's just something I've always wanted to try one of those, but I want to do more of that kind of thing um, and detail a, a small thing. I saw um, uh, Kathy Millot, no, Millet, I guess her name is, and you've, I'm sure you've seen her videos online, and she did a diorama thing that she built into like a picture frame. Um, she took the glass out and they made the picture frame as the actual base of the diorama, put the foam in it. And uh, it's a really cool video to watch. And I would like to try that as well. So it's so great to see that somebody's doing this. And not only that, you're, you're selling your small dioramas on, on Etsy as, as a, as a boot, uh, you know, to boot. But uh, now do you have them at your house just sitting around displayed or. Well, (laughs) I bought the house that I'm in a little over a year ago, and one of the things I'm doing is converting the third car garage into a workshop and a model railroad room. Okay. So I've got, like, one wall kind of done, and then I've got two, well, one and a half wall that's just studs right now. So um, as I sell things on Etsy and can afford, you know, sheetrock and whatnot, um, I've been putting up putting up these walls and getting them ready. Um when I kind of bought the house, I, one of the first things I did was came out here and measured this whole little area. So <laughs> it's going to be because, uh, <laughs> like, that's what everybody does when they buy a house. That's a, that's a model right. railroad. You figure out where you're going to build the model railroad, then you buy the house. Oh, so we'll live, uh, we'll live around it. We'll live around yeah. it somewhere. <laughs> so, so it's uh, going to be 17 by 12, and mm-hmm. it'll be uh, be a spot so I can have my kind of home office, 
my workshop, and then I plan on putting a layout that'll go all the way around the room. Um, well, I really got about my uh, little higher than chest height, so I can kind of work under it. How my my workspace is underneath it, and then stand up and have the layout up around the top. And then nice. uh, oh, it's got cool. uh, it's got uh, like twelve foot ceilings out here, so I've got storage space up oh. top, and so I can put all the stuff up there. So oh yeah, but the first thing great. is like. The first thing I want to do is make sure the room's finished and the walls are done and the lighting's all done and all that before I build a actual permanent structure. So right yeah. <laughs> now, um, the uh, the models that you like I said the, the dioramas that you do do you, do you have them displayed around the house like in your living room or anything like so, that or just... <laughs> <laughs> so so my wife my wife. Uh, let me keep all I my stuff out here. <laughs> I see where this is going to go. Yeah, I got to do I, that I, convincing I, too. I've got a 12 by 17 foot spot for all my things and they all live out here. So uh, uh, I've got a few of them. My, uh, my, like my uranium <laughs> mine and my little church and my, the graveyard I built are sitting up here on a shelf. Oh, okay. Um, kind of hang, kind of hanging out. Uh, yeah. My little mini, my mini ones. I'm actually kind of in the process of, working on these walls so i've really crammed into kind of one corner because this is also where i work for work <laughs> because i have to work from home like three days a week so i've kind of got some computers out here and it's not uh um uh it's it's a little bit cramped right now but uh sure. i've got i got a big i got a good vision for it so i'm excited <laughs> to maybe a year from now actually be able to spread out here and get things where they actually you need don't to think go. you can't you don't think you can convince your wife into one of this Coffee table, glass top, my uh, my is underneath. You know, you see those, right? Oh yeah, I've I will, I'll show stuff to her, and she just looks at me, and I <laughs> smile. And then, so, I, I did I did drag her I did drag her all over the country to work for the railroad. So uh-huh. I'm 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 good with uh, me yeah. having my railroad stuff out here and her having her house. So there you go. You're gonna tiptoe around all that, right? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. a good idea. You're on a short um, no, a short say, leash there. Yeah, I will say I did build a display uh, for my daughter uh, for her model railroad stuff, and so I've got a little. Oh, it's like 36 inch or 36 inches long by 12 inches wide and a backdrop I painted. And so I, when I find them like pink or purple railroad cars, um, <laughs> I've, I've been buying, I've been buying those for her. So I've got that hanging up in our room and, and I keep adding cars to it. So that's kind of our uh, little collection. That's cute. Does she, does she enjoy the, the hobby as well or? Yeah, yeah. So she comes out here and she'll help me paint things and has done a few projects. My my goal when I get this done is to have kind of another work my, like my workstation, but then an open workstation because uh, right. my son my son we're working on a small switching layout for him too, and oh, okay. uh, just just having a couple of small kind of their project is their stuff. Yeah. Um, instead of having to, you know, find something that you're going to have, uh, but having their own kind of little scenes or little, little projects and then having an area for them to work on it. So that's, but you get that's to my share goal. together with your kids, which is awesome. You know? Yep. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying being able to do little things like that. Little things. Brett's, Brett's, uh, kids are, my grandkids of course are, are still a little too young, I guess for some of it, but they do come down and they like to paint and, hang out and they like us to pick them up and show them things on the way out. It's really cool because 
you know, maybe that'll catch on and they'll want to, they'll want to step in. And if they don't, that's, that's their thing, you know, but. Yep. yep. And that was kind of my layout design too. Um, I'm not a roundy round, like go a hundred miles an hour in circles type of person. Yeah. But I definitely <laughs> want to have the ability to have a train go around in a circle around the room. Cause I, I think that's, it gets people at least interested and it's something easy to, you know, flip on a switch, have the train run around. People are like, Oh, that's cool. That's neat. And then they can kind of look hey guys, at it real quick. If you keep going, I have to take this phone call. I have to take this phone call. I'll jump right back in. No, well, I'll, well, I'll keep going with it. Right, give me so. 10 minutes. Okay. I'll have to take yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> Work is a calling. Work is a calling. So I, I want you know, so to design. Yeah. So I want to design the layout. So, because you know, your neighbor kid comes over or the, people down the street or your, or your, um, you know, your son's friends come over and they're like, Oh, we've got a layout and it's, you know, 12 feet long and it's all switching and you can't touch it. I mean, that's no fun, but if you got something that can kind of go around the room and they can see it and they can enjoy it and like, Oh, that's cool. And then they'll be done with it. But you get that person every once in a while who walks in and it's like, Oh wow, this is, this is what I want to do. Right, and that's the spark that they need to get going into the hobby or get get sure. interested in model railroading. So, now you you, you work with the railroad in on a railroad, okay, and you've um, now, and you do model railroading, and you said earlier that you're a rivet counter. Are you more into the trains or more into the scenery? Uh, what is your favorite part of the hobby? So, <laughs> once you stood next to a box car for a really long time. You just kind of, uh, they're just kind of a box car. Like I'm not really excited about them. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like, <laughs> yeah. I, I really like the scenery aspect, but I think the trains really can complete the scene. Absolutely. Um, for me, I'm specific about the railroad and the era and the time I model mm-hmm. mostly because I'm cheap. So, <laughs> so my plan is, I model October of 1968. I mm-hmm. model the Spokane, Portland, and Seattle Railroad, which was uh, just a railroad that operated around uh, Portland, Oregon, down south towards Eugene, out to the coast, and then up to Spokane. Uh, it was a class one, but it was a very small, you know, smaller operation like the railroads used to be. So I can get a good flavor of stuff without having to, you know, I don't need to model some coal mine that has a thousand cars a day and I need 700 engines and 8,000 cars. And um, I can get something that looks right with, you know, a couple locomotives, nine or 10 cars, a nice looking caboose. And it looks, it fits the scene and then it tells the story and it it all makes sense without, you know, having to break the bank to have, you know, enough cars to operate my railroad. So um, for me, it's, you know, I, I take each model of each car and I treat it just like everything else. You know, I spend a lot of time on my vehicles, my structures, my railroad mm-hmm. cars, my track. I want it all to look um, at the same level. So I don't right. want my buildings to look like shiny and new and my equipment to be super weathered and then my <laughs> yeah. rest of it to be, you know, hot, hot, you know, green, lime green scenery. Because, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I so I want it all to, I want it to all look, you know, when someone looks at it, I want everyone to go, Oh, that all fits. That all, that all looks like it belongs. That's my, right. that's always my goal. Right. Um, sure. And, and now, um, with the trains too, we, you know, we do a lot of joking on the show about the fact that we, we aren't really in the trains and yeah, that's not entirely true. I mean, we do that. We do that to tease a lot of people, but 
Um, we do have trains at, that run on our layout. We don't have a real elaborate setup for how they roll, you know, and, you know, the, the track plan. Um, it basically goes around and then cuts through the middle. We have a couple switches here and there. But it's, uh, by and large, it's, it's, it's a simplistic plan so we can do – that doesn't necessarily mean we don't want trains on our layout – we like we understand that you have to have something that's non-static that moves that catches the eye and helps enhance the the whole all of your work. You know the trains can do that for you. So I don't want to sit here and badmouth the train part of the hobby. We I was drawn into this originally because of the train part of the hobby, and then it grew from there. Okay, um, so. I know we, I wanted to clarify that before we went for it. last week, Brett got the train running for one of the first times and he ran it all morning long on the layout and it just kept running with no derailments. And we had like a celebration party over that. That was a great thing because we have not had great luck with track and uh, running the trains, but we've done a lot of work recently uh, to, to, to do that. Now do you put a lot of work into your track work and, and, and such like that. And it's, it's obviously a good feeling, right? When everything's running good and smooth. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit crazy when it comes to track work. Um, I actually will go in and individually cut up ties and scrape out ties and replace them with actual, I use the plastic uh, code 83, but mm-hmm. I'll change out the change out ties with actual wood ties so they can be rotten and gross. Um, and then uh, I see, put the cool. little, and then I, I put I detail my switches. I'll put real you know detailed switch stands and little details around the switches. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually put the, uh, the 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 joint bars. Um, I found a couple different products, so they're actual. You know, if you sit here and look at my stuff, I mean, I don't have a lot of it, but I try to detail it all so it all looks right. So when you're you know, when you take a photo of it, I, I, my goal is always when I take a photo of my stuff is for people to have to kind of do a double take at it and go, oh, wait, is that real? Or, oh, no, it is a model. You know, you can see this, that, yeah. or the other thing. But, but that's We've always my that goal. With your work. We've done that work <laughs> with your work many times, you know? So, your goal works. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I, I put up the little signs where the sign should be. And uh, um, when I add my ballast and my scenery around my track. You know, I, I try to make, I try to have even those things tell the story of which tracks are the tracks you, you know, you want to go fast on and which right. tracks you might end up in the mud and the dirt and <laughs> fall off the track. But it's all, it's all actually structurally sound in real life. It just doesn't look great, you know, right. with the, with the mud puddles and the grass and all that stuff. So. Sure. Well, I think that's awesome that you do that with the ties. We we use code eighty three too, so uh, that's an option there. Removing some of the plastic ties out and uh, and doing the uh, putting you know real wood ties in. Actually, I got a pile of them from something I did before. Um, but that would be a cool idea. I never thought to do that. Or well, maybe on one of the spurs, they don't get used as much. Uh, anyhow, on, on have you ever tried any hand laid track? I. I've tried a little bit here and there. Um, when I was doing Fremo, I had a few pieces that I kind of had to hand make uh, right. just because they didn't have curves that the, or the switches at the radius I wanted. Um, so I used a couple of different products. It was before Fast Tracks was out. So I was actually using uh, 
Proto 87 stores, which uh, track modeling is a hobby in itself. If you ever want to oh, yeah. just see what crazy track work looks like, go look at that Proto 87 stuff. It's all scale width wheels, scale, you know, track work, all that stuff. Yeah. Wow. Um, so it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> actual HO scale spikes, you know, like crazy things yeah. like that. So, crazy. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not that into it. Uh, I like the availability of what I can find commercially at this point, sure. just because I can put, I can detail it up. I can put it down. It's easier to work. And I'm not a really big fan of soldering. I can do it. I just, yeah. <laughs> that's not yeah, my I'm idea not of a good either. time. <laughs> Brett, Brett does all our soldering. I don't have the patience for that. And uh, that's, that's one of its own. That's a, that's a whole different hobby of uh, not a hobby, but that's a, that's a whole different, aspect of work involved that, that I don't get into too much. I mean, I can, but I don't like to, but, well, um, and for, and for me, it would probably be one of those rabbit holes where it's like, well, if you just solder it to these PC board ties and it doesn't have tie plates. So now I'm going to have to buy tie plates and I'm going to have to attach tie plates. So now I'm going to spend, you know, 40 hours on one switch yep. to make sure it looks a hundred percent right. When I can buy something that's commercial, that's, <laughs> got some of the detail kind of already in it and just kind of spruce it up and make some adjustments and be like, Hey, that looks good. So <laughs> <laughs> there's, um, I saw one of the O scale. I can't remember off the top of my head. There's an O scale group out there that has a Instagram page. I, I haven't checked in on them in a long time. I have to find out what the name of that is. Um, but they do some amazing detail work with, tracks and you know the trains and everything where they actually the tie plates on the on a bridge everything it's it's sick uh, if i told you i know you've been on instagram a lot you might even be friends with it, that group i don't know um it's just amazing work they do uh their their track work is is absolutely sick but um now do you do any airbrushing at all with your modeling or yeah i used to actually custom paint uh uh-huh. For a while, I've actually got a nice, I think it's Pache. Yeah, I got a couple. Yeah, Pache uh, airbrush, right. uh, the Talon, and I've got the nice spray booth. Um, I haven't really. It's mostly for me. It's for my locomotives and rolling stock. Right. I do not find that I use it on structures. Um, at least I haven't in a long time. I right. I've been rattle, you know, using rattle cans for structures because it just eats up so much paint. Um, right. But there are a few effects that an airbrush can really, really do really nicely, like soot and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can see once I get, like I said, once I get set up here a little bit better and I have access to the airbrush because right now it's packed away, um, I'll probably start using it again. Uh, there's some good little tricks you can use for adding detail to weather, like grease spots and, and oil spots, um, adding that to the track. And um, like I said, sides of buildings and things like that where you're not painting the whole thing, but you're just adding just that hint, just that kind of streak that is really hard to get with a brush. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, takes 20, 20 seconds with an airbrush. So, um, and with scenery and stuff, I've seen some people do some amazing airbrushing work with scenery, like, like track road beds, that type of thing. Um, but not only that, just their actual, their actual scenery. Uh, yeah. where, they, where they use airbrushing. I think um, Luke Towen is one of them. And I mentioned Kathy Millett uh, just a little while ago, her as well. Uh, I've seen them both do 
some amazing work with airbrushing. And I thought about trying to maybe get into the airbrushing thing with the, with the scenery a little bit. I, I, you know, I just don't know how much practice I'd be scared to death to try it on my layout, you know? Well, see, that's um, why you need to build, you need to build the small dioramas. See, that's what I do. I try to build these little dioramas. And when you screw them up, which I've done, I scrape them off and build something else. And it's, you know, I'm out (laughs) a dollar 50 or whatever it is. Right. So sure. Uh, That's a good idea. I mean, I'm definitely want to maybe look into that and, um, and get one, but I didn't know if you had done that. I know you like doing scenery work. So, I don't know if you've ever tried to airbrush on like, like landscaping in that, in that regard, but. And I've used them a lot like for um, like dirt road effects or gravel roads right? uh, where like I'll use uh, pan pastels, but it's pretty tedious to sit there and kind of dab, uh, you know, dab that material or even using the chalks or anything like that. And an airbrush. (laughs) Yeah. The airbrush, you set it down to just – it almost doesn't put out paint and you make those – you know, you make those repetitive kind of brush strokes back and forth and all of a sudden you have those nice little grease spots or those rubber spots or the worn out spots. They're great for also doing um, – like if you've got a big uh, concrete area and you've got a lot of rubber marks you want to show on the road or grease spots, yeah. um, just sitting there with an airbrush and just kind of, well, that's about the width of two vehicles and here's a, here's a lane and – um, yeah. it's kind of a nice, it's kind of a nice, even coating and it doesn't, uh, you don't get kind of the heavy handed of, of a brush sometimes. Yeah, you don't you know, see brush some, yeah. Yep. And you get some of the other, other things that, you know, you can kind of get it to spit or cough on purpose and it gives you that kind of oil drips and things like that. <laughs> so there's some cool things that you can mess with an airbrush, uh, with, and I think there's a lot of, man, you, YouTube and airbrush and you spend the next oh, three yeah. days just watching videos and oh, yeah. all sorts of things. So, I mean like <laughs> the, the guys that, uh, without stencils paint, um, camo on vehicles. I'm just always like how I, I don't, <laughs> I'll watch a video and I still don't know what they did. Um, wow. but, but there's just some cool stuff out there. Now with, um, with, uh, one of your recent things I've seen you doing, um, lately on Facebook was your trees that you're making. Uh, can you get into that a little bit? I mean, ha- have you tried lots of different types of trees? Is this something new that you're getting into with the making your own homemade trees? But, so, uh, what's up? I've, I've <laughs> trees. Yes. Well, being from Oregon, there's a lot of trees. So right. even even mostly I'm modeling um, Eastern Oregon, which there's still a lot of trees there, even though it's kind of a high desert. So I'm always looking for something that looks good, that doesn't break the bank that is not super labor intensive, but also uh, get, get you that, you know, without sitting there and hand carving each trunk and things like that. So uh, I've been, I've been messing around. I think Luke Town has a, a, um, a video on it and kind of the style I'm using uh, our buddy over there at, uh, was it dirt spot? Dot seven. Spot. Yeah. James. Yeah. Yep. He just posted something and I'm, it, my techniques very, very similar to his. And, and I think it's, you know, a lot of it's, yeah, you can follow exactly the way they do it or somebody does it, but mm-hmm. every, every thing's going to be a little different. So, uh, mine are actually corn dog sticks. Uh, I didn't know you could just buy oh, corn wow. dog sticks, but I guess that's, that's a thing. I didn't know that either. Uh, <laughs> So, so it's a package of 
I don't know, like a 200 of them or something crazy like that. And kinda I bought like, them at Kind of like skewers that you use on. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So what's nice about them, though, is their, like, dowel material. The thing with skewers is their bamboo. Their bamboo, some other... they suck. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> throw those out. But these corn dog sticks are either a basswood or some. It, it just, I think it literally, it's a, in Chinese, translated English back to whatever, essentially says, wood hard sticks. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to leave that one alone. Um, so, um, so they're... I don't know. I think they're like 10 inches or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I take those and drill uh, drill holes in them. And I use florist wire and a little CA and just kind of glue the, glue the arms through those. And then I'm using various lengths of static grass uh, to coat them. And then I've just been hitting mine. Uh, like Luke uses an airbrush. I just use rattle cans. Right. So I go outside and <laughs> I've got a bunch of I think I've got all three or four colors of that, uh, those camo colors that are made by, oh, what's that company? Krylon camo? Uh, Krylon. Yeah, Krylon. Yeah. 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 So I just use those various colors, um, and some of them I've been adding. I'm uh, loving brown- the Krylon camouflage that's oh, out man. now. That's newer <laughs> than the, the Rustolium. That, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to end up getting sued by Rustolium eventually. <laughs> but but, uh, but I just found the Krylon. And um, I don't know how long how long they've been out with the Krylon on the camouflage. I I Is honestly it? didn't know Rust only made camouflage, so I've been using the Krylon stuff for five years. Well, I love the top. I love the uh, the spray nozzle on these things. They're oh man, they're skinny, great. and they're pr- they don't they don't ever clog up on me. Nope. Oh my word! It's they're, it's, it's they're beautiful. But anyhow, I'll let you continue. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. No, I was no, I was sitting here laughing because I had some rust. I didn't even realize it was rustoleum until I went to spray it today, and it clogged. And I looked down at the can and went, "Oh yes." <laughs> <laughs> here I, I we got are. So fed up with rustoleum a couple oh. about three weeks ago. I got so fed up with my rustoleum cans. I had like three or four left. They were like half full, and I got so pissed off. I took them out and dumped them in the trash can. That's funny. No, I'm uh, done. I'm done with them. Not on purpose, but I somehow ended up with like all my stuff's Krylon except for this one can. And I was trying to spray it today, and it's doing that weird spitting thing, and it's not spraying. Uh, And it's I'm just like, oh. And I look down at the can. It's oh yeah, it's a rustle lamp. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've had good luck, by the way. With um, I found um, Valspar in spray cans, and they they also do very well. So. But uh, anyhow, um, so so you use the spray can for spraying the actual. Is that for the trunks or is that for the the foliage or everything? Everything. Gotcha. <laughs> so I hit him. I hit him. So I'm hitting him with the dark brown, mm-hmm. and then after that, I go back over the tree with a little bit more static grass. I've got some like little. I think it's two millimeter. It's kind of a mixed bag of stuff, uh-huh. and I'll add that back on. And then I've got. Uh, it's uh, it's like an olive flat color. I don't even know what the color is. It's just kind of an olive color. And I've just been kind of holding the tree far away and letting that kind of land on top of it. And that's giving me that green look to it. Yeah, it looks great. It looks amazing. And then the last thing I do is I just go in with a brush and kind of mix up a 
I call it gray brown. It's mm-hmm. like black, white, and a little bit of flat earth Vallejo paints, and kind of dry brush the trunks to give them that more gray color that uh, trees have in nature. Um, now you drill the holes in the side for the, for the branches and such, right? Yep. And what are you using for the branches themselves? That's all forest wire. Forest uh, wire. Okay. Is, let's see. Got a package of it right here. Uh, <laughs> it's actually. St- 22 gauge uh, forest wire, and I buy the stuff that's straight, not the stuff that's on the little spool. Yeah, uh, and I go to you know Michaels to use my coupon, and uh, <laughs> uh, so I've got packages of that, and then I just use uh, my little Zeron rail cutters and cut it, and then um, actually to drill the holes, I'm using a powered little power drill that I got, and it's actually made by Tamiya, which oh. are which are the uh, like little you know RC car guys? Right, yeah, yeah. And they sell this little tiny powered drill that you build as a kit. Oh. So it's one of their one of their little science things because Tamiya has a, the little. <laughs> I'm back. I think hey, I think it's back. like a I think it's like a moon rover. <sighs> they've got a little moon rover and they've got a little whatever, but it's this little blue hand drill and it takes a couple of uh, batteries and it takes those cheap garbagey they say they're carbide bits but they're not those uh the mini drill bits <laughs> right that come in that red case that they break really fast yeah. oh yeah yeah uh, i had a box of them yeah so it takes those <laughs> and i use those until they break and then throw them out because they're young but um but that's how i drill all the holes and i'll sit there and man i was watching football uh this weekend and Makes quick work of it. The wife got a little annoyed, but uh, <laughs> she just looks over at me. You got to still keep drilling. I said about, about a hundred more holes. I'm so, <laughs> so are you, but, are you uh, an Oregon Duck fan? Are you an Oregon Duck fan? I am an Oregon Duck fan. All so, right, that's so, good. I got. Yeah. A, I like the Oregon Ducks. I got a friend of mine who is uh, big. They got the, the coolest Ducks. uniforms. They do. They do. They do. So, guys, yeah. catch me up on what I just missed. I am. I am trees, so sorry. On trees. I'm so sorry. On trees. He makes these things. His trees that he's making All are right. made out of uh, out of. Um, um, I saw the one he posted. Yeah, uh, corn dog steaks. They're made out of corn dog <laughs> steaks, which I love corn dogs. So now I'm gonna start saving every corn dog steak. Nice. Uh, I'm just gonna go buy a pack well, and try this for the listeners. Um, I had to boogie out real quick because I had a important work call. Uh, when that phone number rings, it's like the the drop everything you're doing oh shit moment and get out of there um i've got one of those phones so i apologize i had to come i had to jump out real fast that's like a i've never had that phone call go off but um we are back and i just wanted them to catch me up real quick but your trees greg that you posted i just want to say my dad probably already said this um if you're talking about the phone the trees that you um posted on the other day on facebook those things are crazy awesome they are. They're so the branches are random, and um, it, you know, not not. I don't mean to make that sound like they are. They're <laughs> random. They're different lengths. They're di- they're bent different shapes, and, and it, it looks very very natural. Whatever you've made, you know, have you accomplished doing it? So, so one so one trick is I print off uh, like uh, silhouettes. Like you do, like look up Doug fir silhouette or pine tree silhouette mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I use those kind of as a guide. Um, at least I did for the first half a dozen of these trees I built. And now I've kind of got a feel for it. Just kind of yeah, yeah, it looks right with the eye, right? Yeah. Well, what I do is, you know, I, I drill the hole, 
put the wire in, cut it so it was kind of in that branch range on that matched the silhouette, and I'd turn the tree and keep doing that as I went down. And you kind of figure out, oh, this looks right or this doesn't. And then for me, I can actually walk out my back door and look at Douglas firs and hold up my tree and go, okay, it oh, kind of looks like that tree. And I'm not jealous <laughs> <down>. at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of kind of randomness, and then um, the main thing for me is like less is more. So once the tree is painted and everything's done, then I go after them with scissors and I cut uh, probably fifty percent of the material I put on it um, off. And that's where it gets that nice, airy, light look to it. But yeah. if you cut it early, which I tried the other day, uh, your branches just fall off and oh, you don't God. have anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you, then you have a Charlie Brown tree. Like, hey, yeah. So, uh, so you got to do it kind of like after they're settled, they're done. You know, they look almost complete, but they look a little shaggy. And you just, I just go in there with my own scissors, not my wife's scissors, my own scissors. And, um, and give them a little haircut. And I think that's what gives them that, that final look that uh, really brings them to life and really gives them that space and separation between the branches and, and going at it kind of randomly, you know, trees self balance, you know, with their, their weight. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't want, you know, super long branches on one side and short branches on another, but having that variance that, you know, it doesn't look like the perfect Hallmark Christmas tree, but you got a little variety living in there. So, yeah, nice. I guess I, I think they look amazing. So, so now, now that you told us your general area in Oregon, um, do you are you able to pull a lot of inspiration for your modeling out of your region that you live? As far as like trees, you said obviously with the trees, but do you use anything else in your area? Because I know we've talked to other guests that really are able to, you know, like um, uh, Stephen Hayworth. He's on our show a couple times. Uh, he uses a lot of you know the areas that he's modeling into what he's building. Sorry. Do you use that with what you, where you live or is it kind of, um, you do model mainly a different area. So I model, I model actually, well, eh, <laughs> I primarily model Eastern Oregon, which is a, eh, a couple hour drive from here, drive from here. Okay. Uh, I was a little farther when I was living in, you know, Oklahoma to get back here. You were in Oklahoma. Oh yeah. I lived, uh, where in Oklahoma? Oklahoma city. Oklahoma City. Oh, I, my I goodness. I lived in Mustang. My so. dad and I are huge. Well, you probably know. We're big Oklahoma Sooners fans. So. Huge Sooner fans. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. I, I, always, I, always, I always knew who was going to He's a poke. Was, he likes the, some pokes. I always knew who was going to be the bad drivers <laughs> that cut me off. Oh, my goodness. But, hey, I do like the Oregon Ducks, though, so we won't, we won't fight yeah. at all in football. Right, right. The, the the railroad I actually worked for um, actually went to Stillwater, uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma, where the Pokes play. That's cool. And it was actually called the Cowboy Subdivision, which I thought was kind of fun. That's and pretty our cool. Colors were, <laughs> our colors are the the railroad I worked for. We actually had locomotives painted up there that were orange and black, which I thought I was kind of cool. But. We don't like we obviously we can't inherently like this Oklahoma State, but that yeah. is a pretty cool thing though. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was neat living down there for a little bit, but yeah. uh anyways. It's not Oregon. So you do Eastern uh, Oregon. Yep. So it's uh the Eastern Oregon's actually high desert. So my um the Walters layout I I built, that's kind of that same scenery. It's these kind of weird rolling grassy it's like a, hills. It's kind of a yeah, it's a mix between plains and desert. 
Yeah, so they call it high desert. There's a lot of juniper, ponderosa pine. Um, and it's it's weird because you'll be at a certain elevation, there'll be all these trees, and you drop 20 feet below that, and there's no trees. And then you drop 40 feet below that de- down the, near the river, and you've got all these cottonwoods. Huh. So so you go, you, you know, you a 30-minute drive, you'll go through four different kind of scenic zones. Hey, that's, that's cool, kind of though. Interesting part. Kind of an interesting part of the world. So for me, um, I do I do actually have a bunch of armatures that I harvested from Oregon from along the uh, it's called the Oregon trunk is what I bottle. Um, so I took a bunch of uh, sagebrush while I was waiting for a train to go by to take pictures of it and sat there and cut sagebrush off of a sagebrush plant and made my made little tree armatures. So yeah, I, I'm able to grab some of that stuff and then the layout I'm building in my my garage here, I'm actually going to model it after a part of Portland um, on the west side of town. It's called Willbridge, and it's where the main lines either go north towards Seattle and, or they head out towards the Oregon coast. So I'm going to model that area. Um, so it's I drive by it for work, and um, it's kind of a cool bunch of different railroads came in here there's a bunch of different rail yards it's industrial but then the backdrop is this big huge hill with all these trees on it so kind of a weird you know there's down on the flats is an oil refinery and up on the hill it's you know nice pretty trees so kind of an interesting juxtaposition of things that's cool that's cool do you have that do you have that as you live in a you have that region you live in that you can actually model and show that not that we don't it's just that i have to if i want to see pretty stuff like that i'm going to have to drive to the mountains not in these little <laughs> towns out here but um i've seen that where and it is so cool to see that in the mountain scenery um i've you know i've been up to the adirondacks in new york and such and you go to some of the high peaks up there and i'm sure it's just like there or in colorado or anywhere like that except they're much higher um, you get to a certain elevation and there's no vegetation and, yep. uh, it's just brush and rock, you know, and dirt. And then you, you know, um, you get down you, to that tree line and then it's, it's just dense, you know, really dense. Uh, the first, the, you know, coming downhill, the first region you hit is the trees with not a lot of not a lot of uh, foliage on the trees. And then it gets into the dense foliage. It is so cool to uh, experience and see that. Um, it's, it's one of those things, like we've talked about that on the show many times, is how we will look at things as we, we look at things every day. And we need, as modelers, we need to start looking at things that we see every day and notice the details of those things. And that's, you have to, you have to think about, yeah, you have to think about the little stuff you see that you, you would normally not see. Right. Like I think who was it that we were talking to dad that would, was walking around inner Harbor. Not you, not you. Uh, it it might've been, was it Jeff Grove or Kenny or one of the, one of those guys. Uh, I'm sure. He was walking around some bay towns and just taking photos of stuff like just seawalls. I, I, mean, I think it was Kenny. Yeah. But yeah. it's stuff like that where you would normally pass through something where you would every day yeah. and not even pay attention to it. But when you start paying attention to it, your eye starts picking stuff up that like 
you normally would never notice. Right. I mean, and, and like I said, I'm, this is what I see. Uh, I think Greg's talking about right now is the fact that, you know, taking in what's around you and, and making that transformation in your mind, remembering what you've seen. And um, that's the key. I mean, how many times, Greg, have you gone somewhere and, and somewhere really cool, right? And you thought while you were there, oh, that's, that's cool. <laughs> I, I, I should maybe look in the model and something like this. And then you get home going, why the hell didn't I take any pictures? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever done so, that? My, my, last, my last job for the railroad, I was actually uh, a safety and training person. So I got to travel all over the United States and even got to go down to Mexico. And uh, for a while, I actually had a company camera because I was making training videos. So I took lots of pictures of things. Um, and then, you know, with my cell phone, I took a lot of pictures of stuff. But, uh, you know, I when I was growing up, uh, when I first, you know, right around uh, 18, 19, I ran into a couple guys who were really good photographers, uh, mostly railroad photographers but just really good photographers and they taught me about you know composing a shot and and photography and light and um you know seeing things differently and capturing kind of the essence and the feel of things so i still i still have a camera i don't get out very much to use it but those are some of the things that (laughs) even just driving around i try you know you kind of once you've trained your eye to see that stuff it becomes a lot easier to see it pops quicker Um, and and you know what makes something you know I and I put in quotes look right versus you know look off. Um, I use that a lot in my modeling. There's you know there's stuff out in the world that okay yeah you can have a model of a 75 foot tall cowboy at a gas station, but if you model it a certain way, it's going to look goofy. But if you model it a different way, it will look like it belongs. And what are those things that make that, you know, you've got to weather it just right. You've got to make it look like it, like it belongs. I think sometimes Greg, that goes along with exaggeration of scale. So just because we are 187th scale or if someone does N scale or O scale, um, in real life, they might work well together. But when you break it down and you scale it down to the eye, and this goes back to, and as a rivet counter or anyone out there that's listening, um, this might make you squirt, uh, you squeam, squeamish a little bit. Um, and, and I, ho- I want to hear your opinion of this. Sometimes like changing the size of something, especially if you're custom making a thing, making it a little bit smaller or making it a little bit bigger than what it actually should be to scale looks more visually pleasing. Oh, and I, I totally agree. Um, Trees are a great example, speaking of trees. Uh, <laughs> because if you model, like, sometimes it works. Like, sometimes a full-scale tree is what the seed needs. Right. And then sometimes you put one in there, and it doesn't, even though it's, you know, only 70 feet tall, it looks way too big. So you've got to make sure that you're balancing, you know, what you want to be the focal point versus reality versus, you know, and, and a lot of things, like, I'll notice... Um, so on, on my diorama here, I have to use force perspective. So the creek gets narrower way faster than it actually should. And the hill's a little bit steeper than it really should be. But by doing those things, when you look at it from the front, it looks right. It looks correct. Right. Um, 
But if I modeled it to scale, I would have my entire garage filled with just this basic scene <laughs> to get you know the hills far enough away and the, and the road just right and all these things. So it's you know model railroading. Like I said, I'm I'm a, I'm a rivet counter, but everything is a series of compromises. You always you know you can't make the air system work on an actual box car. Right. Um, it's just not going to happen. So you've got to make compromises. You know you can't have your track be exactly perfect because things are just going to fall off the track. You can't have, you know, I've seen it some places, but I don't really want to be uh, a water management system engineer. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't want real water on my layout. You know, I don't right. want to deal with that. So you've got to make, you know, you've got to make compromises. And then there's just some stuff that, um, so like if you're going to operate your layout, you know, putting a massive building on the edge just because it was actually there in real life, might not be the best thing for you because now you can't actually see your scene or see your trains or even get into your own railroad. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe you move it. You know, it's, it was there, but now we moved it to the other side of the track. Or maybe we move this switch here. Or maybe we move this. You know, this building. We really like this bar and we really like this. You know, grocery store and they were not near each other, but we're going to put them next to each other because we want them both. So. It's you know being an absolute. I don't. I don't. I don't think I've ever met anybody that's you know doing one eighty seventh in one foot squares exactly to you know perfect scale. Right. Probably somebody out there. But yeah, you, you don't know, get <laughs> believe believe us, Greg. There is somebody out there, and there no, somebody out there. They're already we emailing do. us. Yes, <laughs> I guarantee it. To whom it may concern. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, but but I but I I know what you mean. Like you you you. You're a good example of a mix, and a lot of our modelers we've we've interviewed are a great example of this mix, where you are a self-proclaimed rivet counter, but at the same time you also understand, you know, you can't in what we do unless you had unlimited space, you can't model it um, 100% to scale, um, not necessarily you know rolling stock or something. Even you, well, even you say with some rolling stock you have to do that, but there are some things you need to make compromises on uh, to, to appeal to the eye. And you have the art eye as well to make things look, you know, visually appealing as well as um, mostly to scale. So it, you have to make those compromises and, and it makes the art at the end. Cause that's what we're all trying to do. If you're not trying yeah. to do, unless you're strictly operations and you don't care about how it looks, there is still some of, of an artistic eye to what we do. Oh yeah, I I totally agree, and I think that's what makes this work. You know, and even things that are HO scale, like I, I laugh at some of the the little small craftsman craftsman kits because it's like, yeah, there are some small structures in the world, but most <laughs> houses most houses are actually pretty decent size when you actually start scaling them out. But right. if you you know if you scaled out your house and then you bought a, one of these little tiny quote-unquote houses, and you put them next to each other, it'd be like, well, there's a house and here's the garage. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're like, well, this is cute, but, like, where do you even put the bed or the sink or the, I guess, right. you, know, you can yeah, you can sleep in your bed and wash your hands and do everything <laughs> all at once. Uh, so, but it works if you use a whole, like, if your whole town is those small to medium structures, it works. But if you all of a sudden start dropping in, you know, scale structures into it that are the same thing they represent the same thing all of a sudden even though they're both right 
they look really bizarre. You're like, what is wrong with this person? This is a mansion. And it's a two-bedroom two ranch next to you. So, so it's also messing with those things where um, – like I and I, you guys are notorious for it. Uh, putting things there – for a while and then seeing doesn't look right and coming back. Oh, that's our favorite thing to do. And, and, and tearing <laughs> things out and adding to it. and Tearing it out, ripping it yeah, out by yeah, the plaster yeah. and everything. Right. Oh, yeah, we love that. Yeah. But I, but I love watching your kind of journey as, you know, as you've gotten larger structures and, and now that you've gotten some skyscrapers and things like that. And you're like, well, you put the skyscrapers in the middle because they're the biggest and they take up the most space and you kind of work away from that. Now, if you put your skyscrapers down at the waterfront, and work the other direction, you'd get a different effect, like everything would be going off in the distance, but it would look really bizarre. So, Right, exactly. You've got to keep kind of moving things around until either you get sick and tired of moving them around, or it looks, you know, that magic word, it looks right. 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 Well, and, and to our, you know, and this is not about us, but to our, our, our own challenge is we have to look from our layout from all four sides, which we've talked about in the show many times. So that adds a whole nother challenge of perspective because we have to be careful not to put, you know, any large structures near the edge because it would just look really, really out of place. Right. Like, like our large structures are skyscrapers that we're starting to dig it down the middle. Well, not skyscrapers, but they're big, you know, and they're going to go in the middle for a different reason is, where other layouts have a backdrop, and ours is 360, those skyscrapers or large buildings are our backdrop in the center, no matter where you're walking. So you're getting that, in a way, a forced perspective of you know the city growing up to the center, but then you're also getting perspective of, hey, here's one side of a city, and you go walk around to the other side, and it's going to look like an entirely different city. Right from that side, and now you no, know, I've seen that on on uh, George Celius's layout as well, where he uses the big. When, when you visit in, you see photographs. It's one thing, but when you go to visit, it's a different. It's a different feel altogether, and you, when you walk around it, you'll see on one side of it the bigger structures in the center create two different scenes on opposite sides, and that's kind of where we we want to roll with that. But, now Greg has backdrop though. Yes. So he's I got do. he's got now you hand painted all that, correct? <laughs> I I yes. I'm yeah, I have I've hand painted all my backdrop so far. It looks um, awesome. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's it's I, I can paint ish. Like Bob <laughs> Bob Ross. You know, yeah. We all put our Bob Ross on every now and then. <laughs> yeah, it's like eh. um, for, for me, like I I enjoy I enjoy painting, like I probably didn't do model railroading i'd probably do painting or something like that um it, it's kind of cool to start with something that is completely flat i mean there is no definition on it at all and all of a sudden it looks like you're going someplace so where right. did you put your um, backdrops on what'd you paint them on uh my mine are all masonite uh okay. so hard, oh. hardboard um so on the smooth side i usually take and run a light sandpaper over them and then i hit them with um like ceiling white or some flat white paint to give me a nice clean base. And I let that cure and set and just like prepping a, uh, a regular canvas. And then I just start from there. So uh, all my stuff right now, because I 
don't like to wait for oils to dry. I use all acrylics. Yeah. Uh, so artist artist acrylics and what's nice about those is as you build, you know, because I actually start like in the back, in the back bag, like in the back drop, and <laughs> then work my work my scene forward. So as I work forward, I might stop. So that's what I did on like my Walters build. I actually painted part of the backdrop and then stopped while I figured out the rest of the landforms and got those all figured out and then continued to work on the backdrop as I kind of flushed out, oh, well, the hill's going to go here and I don't want to spend a bunch of time painting and then realize I'm just going to cover it in plaster. So you like I, you, you read like the backdrop painting books. It's like, okay, first you paint a backdrop and then you build your layout. <laughs> And it's like, oh, so <laughs> yeah, kind of. But, but there's that there's that blending that you got to do. The one backdrop, right. the one backdrop that I admire the most is the one you posted uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. Is from the one that you worked on with your son for your his switching layout. Oh yes, with the trees. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty damn detailed. Like you did a. Yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty cool backdrop that you did there. And yeah. um, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So. Uh, he he picks kind of the theme and the cloud. Well, we found the picture of a cloud, which is a kind of a rolling thunderstorm. It's looking an thing. ominous looking cloud. Um, so it's uh, uh, rolling in there, and uh, um, he wanted that. And I said, well, "What do you want for trees?" So we started. We started, you know, just the backdrop, little blue paint, and then everything else is whites and blues and some grays, and just kind of messing around. And you know, in order to actually paint a a proper you know, thunderstorm, you'd probably need like a 12 foot long wall. So you, you've got to kind of compromise and compress and make things right. maybe further away. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, the trees, you know, it's a lot of, uh, I, I beat up a lot of brushes. I'm not very nice with my brushes. Uh, it's a lot of <laughs> stippling and kind of painting over. And then you, know, you watch the nice people on the YouTube and they're very gently and I'm sitting there like pounding, mashing it in. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I will go back to Michael's and buy another, you know, 20 brushes for $3. Um, uh, you know, some art person just cringing right now, but whatever. Uh, hey, I'm the same way, Greg. I don't, I don't respect my brushes. Yeah. And then um, I finally bought some of that brush cleaner again, but anyways, um, so I'll, I'll sit there and, you know, you work on kind of the, the tree line and then going back in and just with a finer, smaller, like lining brush, just kind of adding those branches and it's just that thing where you just kind of add and mess around. And right now it's at that spot where we have the back, we have the sky, and we have the tree line. And then our next step is going to be merging the road into the backdrop and merging gotcha. um, the trees together. So there might be some repainting or some extra painting or some you know added detail in there. But that's uh, well, even that's kind of how it goes. Even from the photos you have already shared, it looks it's it's it's. It's matched up the tree line and the bottom of the the bottoms of the trunks of the trees are matched up pretty well. You know, perspective is when I'm looking at it from this photo, at least uh, the perspective makes sense when you look at it. So you got a good start. Yeah. And that's and that's always the goal. And, you know, that's not I think we had to move some trees around and repaint a little bit. And that's why I use acrylics is you can just be like. Nope, that doesn't look right. We'll dump some blue and, paint on that. And just for reference, the photo I'm 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 talking about, and just so you know what I'm talking about, it's the uh, the one where there's like two the 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 there's a couple switches, and then there's a rail line in front, and then you have the autumn looking trees, and then there's looks like a road that goes down in between the trees away. Okay, yeah, that's the photo yeah. I'm checking out on your Instagram. Um, yep. You know that 
it's our it, you did I I'm sure you're gonna have to do some work to blend it obviously but I'm I'm impressed with what you guys have already done with that one just alone I as I was scrolling through that one caught my eye and uh, just because you were also doing it with your son is pretty pretty neat yeah and then we had uh, that's kind of <laughs> that's why I'm building trees right now kind of back to that <laughs> it's one of those you you get to a point and you're like well now I need to get between real that that three D and get the bridge get into the gap. That, yeah, I've got to right. bridge the gap. So um, I've, I've been working on my ready mix plant, and, and it's getting to a point where I'm kind of ready to start doing ground cover and building that up. But then I want to have kind of the tree so I can start being, well, the tree doesn't fit here, and this is going to run into it. The crane had knocked that over, and that's not going to work. So you've got to get everything kind of situated at the same time so when you drop it in, it's ready to go. So that's, you know... <laughs> In order to do one thing, I have to do three do- three dozen other things, but that's that's kind of how it is. Right. <laughs> now, do you like doing um, uh, do you like doing kits, or do you? We know we know what you like doing. You like doing. <laughs> I know you like to do uh, scratch builds, but um, you know, what what's your favorite part of building structures? So I. Uh, have a problem i really like detailed interiors i don't know why but uh (laughs) it's one of those like oh i'll put a chair in here and then a table and then a bookshelf with books on it and a Uh drink and a chimney and a you know a guy cooking something on the potbelly (laughs) stove and pictures on the walls and newspapers so it's like this snowball effect but uh there's something kind of cool or I don't know what it is. It's just like, you know, you take off the roof and there's a whole whatever it is, you know, be it a machine shop or a donut shop or a cafe or a gas station. Right. To see all those little things in there. And, you know, and, and it's funny because people are like, man, that looks exactly like a gas station I worked in in, you know, 1960. <laughs> and you're like, cool, because I just made stuff up and painted it and stuck it in there because I don't know what any of this stuff is. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's like, well, I'm going to paint it red and put some grease on it. And we'll stick it. In the, I don't, you know, I don't know if this is a wheel touring machine. I don't know if this, I don't know what this thing does, but we're going to put it in here. So um, when you can get people to reminisce and, and see like, oh, that looks right. I'm like, okay, well, cool. Thanks. Thanks, internet, for finding me good photos. <laughs> so. Oh, that's cool. I've done, I have um, going out already to hobby shops and bought detail parts. And, um, you know, bought machines and stuff. I don't know. I don't know square one about machines. Okay. I'm not a machinist. Okay. So I, I never worked on machinery like that um, for especially like a factory or something like that. But I taken machines and put them, put them, I just bought them, you know, and bought a bunch of different machines and motors and things like that and sent them around outside like junk or inside a garage, you know, uh, in the entranceway. And you take that, yeah, you take that picture and people go, Oh, that's so awesome. It's, it's this machine or that's a, that's a, uh, a V V eight. Hemi, whatever. I don't know what kind of engine, and, you know. And you and you get these comments, and you're like, ah, yep. I don't, yeah, I guess so, right? Mm-hmm, you know? Yep, yep, mm-hmm, yeah. Yep. I, I guess that's it. It makes them happy, and I have no clue what that is. You know, I I've run into that many times. I've I've put all kinds of stuff like it. generators and uh, rooftop um, 
rooftop machinery, uh, some type of uh, HVAC thing. We model eight. We model the 1930s and 40s. Okay, the World War II era. And we have some things on our rooftops, and people go, "That's just awesome." <laughs> well, they didn't have that back then, man. But whatever, you know, they don't. It, it looks good, you know. And, and and I think sometimes you just gotta have to go with putting some of that stuff on, just to make it look right. Well, and, and um, we're not putting stuff on our rooftop sets like from from the 80s or, or you yeah. know that far ahead but it's you yeah, know it yeah. might be it might be it might have only been 10 years later yeah. or or 5 right. years later they're right. like well they didn't have hvac ducts in the in the 30s and 40s on the roof or whatever whatever yeah. the circumstance is but it's within like a believable time span and we make it look we make it look believable right so it's like you well, can take a, yeah. oh sorry go ahead oh i just say yeah it's it's those weird like I have details and I'm like, I don't know when this is from. I don't know if this is a, a, <laughs> a, a modern version of this equipment. I don't, it's like, well, maybe we'll just cover it more grease or more paint or we'll just kind of, <laughs> you know, it's, maybe it's, we'll put, maybe, put some guys up there working on it. Like they just put it in. So it's, that's within, it's, it's within that time frame of like, eh, you know, it's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> now I've got, I've got a tractor sitting over here. It's a detail part tractor. I, I don't. It's not like a John Deere or anything. Like it is a. It is an actual older, tr- older looking tractor. I have no clue what year it's from. Okay, so in, in a way, because of a lot of our viewers and listeners and things like that, um, we're we're more sometimes, and you are too, Greg, because you have a, a, a an actual presence on the internet. You are under the microscope a little more, and so. Um, when you put something out, you are going to get those people to go, they're going to let you know. You know, so I'm half afraid to paint and put this tractor on. My layout is supposed to be from World War II, and I'm not sure if this farmer's tractor is from that era. You know, I think you just got to, you got to, I, I think it'll fit. I think it'll be that. I think it's in that time frame. It should be, or it's close. And then the same thing goes with vehicles. And I'm not sure how much vehicle work you've done, uh, okay? But um, I've noticed too, you know, buying vehicles from the 1930s and 40s, and as even the 20s, was a lot easier to do back. In, it, there's still there's lots of them out there from Stillman, and I have a bunch of them. And I haven't even built them yet, okay? But it was a lot easier because Sylvan and Jordan. With Jordan was still around, and they were still pumping that out, and there were a couple other manufacturers out there that made them as well. Okay, now though there's less, and so and a lot of the some some sometimes and some of these manufacturers that like the already made ones. You ever see the who's a metal works or whatever? Classic metal. Made, I'm actually looking at a classic, classic metal, metal works. sitting on my layer right now. <laughs> right, well, the okay. ones that are already painted that you can go and get, you know. Um, and you put them on. Well, a lot of them, they are so vague in the year or model of the vehicle. So you're like, ah, it looks like it may have been in the 40s. But then you put it on and you find out it was the 50s, you know? And you have one person going, I thought you were, I thought you modeled World War II. Why is that a 1956 <laughs> Chevrolet? So I'm sorry, I didn't know, you know? But, um, you know, so you, you, you had that. But, 
I think he had to, like Brett said, he had to hit a range where this this works. Um, it visually works, you know, and it'll help enhance it if you see it. Yeah, obviously, if we're modeling that time era, we're not going to put a 19, you know, 75 milk truck on there. Okay, I'm going to find something that's more compatible in the 50s, the 30s to the 50s. You know, gives me a wider range. If I'm if I'm shooting for a six or seven year gap from pre early pre World War or World War Two or to the end of World War Two, I have a I have that small six seven year gap. Okay, five years for war and 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 two years prior, and and that's it. And it's so it's hard to scope down vehicles that are going to fit because they only have so many available. Now you can use old ones and. And such. What, what's your take with vehicles? So I've been on that uh, 187th vehicle modelers group, uh-huh. uh, their Facebook page. And I, well, it was actually back when it was like a group Yahoo group. Those guys are hardcore. And that, man, they are. But it's funny because, <laughs> like, even so, there'll be, you know, three people make a 1940s Packard. But all three of them are a little bit different. And by a little bit different, it's like in actual size. So Uh one's a little undersized and one of them's just about right. And one of them's oversized. So even though they're all the same vehicle, there's even differences in them. So for me, um, I usually, if I'm going to have vehicles and I don't have a whole bunch of them, I buy the, the nicer ones. From my from my era ish, so uh, I don't try to buy anything newer than uh, like sixty eight, sixty nine. Um, but you know, it, but you also you, know, you see photos from the sixties, and people still have their old jalopies that they bring out from you know Model Ts and stuff. Um, but uh, it's it's tricky because you want them to look believable, and vehicles should be there, but. You know how much time, how much time and research do you want to do on vehicles, and, and you know, right. what, what, what's going to look, you know, like I said, what's going to look right, and what's going to look really out of place. So, right, um, right. And then, like you said, there's some of the stuff you just don't have a lot of selection. Like I was trying to find a 1960s grain truck, and it's like you can get them from the 50s, and you can get them from the 80s, and there's nothing in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're like, oh, okay, great. So I guess I'm just not going to have anything. So I ended up not having one. <laughs> so. It's really tough. I mean, if you're doing it in all city like we are, um, obviously I can't just have a couple vehicles. I'm going to have to have a lot of vehicles um, to fill it out and make it look right. Short of going to Matchbox or Wheels. You need to get uh, – uh, that 3D printer just fire and <laughs> hey, just, just yeah. stack them he's up. Working. I've been, he's working. I just gave my dad some. I, did, I gave my dad. Didn't I give you a vehicle, Dad? You did. I haven't painted it yet. But so <laughs> I have been firing off vehicles, and I I printed uh two boats, three vehicles. I failed at a. I tried to print a, a bread truck, like a bread delivery truck. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it failed miserably bad like like when you look at this thing it doesn't even look like a truck it's like a it's like a lump of it looks like silly it looks like a lump of silly putty if you try to make a if you try to make a truck out of silly putty that's what it looked like but um so, I've, i'm learning it was a truck 
you know, yeah, it's a, it's a, well, it's a truck. You hide, you hide it away from everyone's sight. You hide it under, you bury it, you dig a hole, you, know, you bury it. But um, it's the, it's the bottom stack at the wrecking yard. Yes, yeah, yeah. That one is the bottom exactly. stack, and you stack. Yeah, it's the foundation. It's the foundation. The foundation to the pile of junk. But um, a lot of rust, a lot of rust. Yeah, but no, I'm I am learning to print some uh, pretty cool stuff on that. And in fact, talking about scale earlier, I want to. I mean, I posted about it earlier in the week. I I, I printed some um, N scale tunnel portals, but I'm going to use them. I don't know if you saw the post, Craig. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I'm going to use them for um, like one way road tunnels. Because, because they work perfectly for a vehicle, and it makes sense the way I, I held up to an HO scale vehicle, and it makes sense like visually for like a one lane tunnel portal. Well, I was I was thinking um, for waterways, like especially in a city. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Where they have a lot too. of the kind of the canals, those the drainage concrete. drainage canals, yeah. yeah. And printing stuff in you know even even a Z scale or N scale. Uh, and adding some of those things in there. And I think that's one thing, you know, I'm not afraid to jump out of my scale or jump out of even the model railroading and explore the rest of the hobby shop. Right. You know, if you've got a multi, because I can, found all sorts of stuff. You can utilize a uh, lot of things that aren't necessarily for quote unquote, for your scale or for your layout. And it'll work. Even though if you just think outside the box a little bit. I, even for I model railroading. Talk about, I refuse to talk about po- my hobby shops this week. I took a beating. <laughs> well, no, we'll, kidding, we'll skip yeah. over that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but no, but Greg's right though. You can you can explore the other aisles and see. No, it's great. Yeah. See, you know, other scales and think. Mm-hmm. Well, just because it says it's N scale doesn't mean I can't use it for HO if I use it for right. a different application. Um, oh yeah. And I find and I find stuff all the time like people. I'll post a photo of my detailed interior and people are like, well, where did you get all your detail parts? And I'm like, I'm going to have to write 40 or 50. You know, it's not like I bought a bag of stuff from one company. Um, When I go to, (laughs) when I go to train shows and the guy's got like the box of miscellaneous crap, all the cast, the the junk box you can sort through. and I'll be like, I'll give you five bucks for the box. The guy's like, sure. And he thinks he's, you know, he's ripping me off. <laughs> and I go home and pull out all the, I pull out all the FSM castings and all my, you know, the four, four complete Woodland Scenics tractors. And I'm like, yeah, $5. So it's, for, for me, it's, you know, I collect these things and I yeah. sort them. I've got little pull out drawers and I put all kind of like, I've got kitchen and home interior and smokestacks and crates and tables and chairs and boats. And, um, so when I'm like, oh, this would be – I need a table, and I'll open my little drawer and sort through my – some are plastic, some are cast, some are resin, and I'll find the one that looks right and take that one out and paint it up and, and put it in that scene, and I'll you know grab whatever I need for that scene. And I'm constantly – kind of constantly on the hunt for – you know, little goodies and little bits and pieces and stuff oh, yeah. that's, uh, that adds to the scene. And I think that's one thing that I think is going to help out a lot is the 3D printing. Um, I don't need another hobby right now, so I'm not buying one anytime soon. <laughs> but there, there's a lot of times I've been sitting there looking at a catalog going, I need 12 of those. But in order to get 12 of those, I have to buy 12 of these entire kits. Like, yeah. I, I don't need... I don't need 12 of those things. I just need 12 of whatever that is. And why can't I just buy 12 of just that one thing? 
Right. Um, and I think 3D printing will be like, nice, you know, hit, hit, I'm going to print 24 of them, you know, give 12 of my buddies. So yeah. I think that's what's going to help help out a lot, um, uh, especially people that are trying to model a specific thing or a specific era. And something that it just would make absolutely no commercial sense to sell an actual cast product or a you know, resin product or anything like that. It just, yeah, throw it as a throw it as a file on the Internet. That you drew it up in the afternoon, and if someone's printed off and you know give you thirty three cents for it or whatever it ends up being, um, great, cool, you know, somebody can ha- yeah. else can have it. Oh yeah, I mean it's just uh, it, it's a multitude of things that it's it's endless, and what can be done uh, if you had the skill to do it on on a printer. And um, you know, in, in fact, I guess Brett's finding all kinds of really cool free well, stuff out there. There's a, there's a ton. Oh, I have a boat. I have a lobster boat he made for me. It's a three part. I just started painting three mine. Parts. You started yours. I started mine. I it's gonna mine yet, but my, I have okay. Ideas. It's so gonna look if, great. if you do yours, I'll tell you how I'm doing mine. So you don't do yours like mine. I'm gonna make okay. mine look like it should not be in the water anymore. <laughs> uh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be, uh, like, pulled up on a dry dock looking like it don't belong in the water anymore. Uh, mine's going to go in the water. So, in, in, but, in the harbor, but, but yeah. But, yeah, Greg, I am finding a ton of stuff. Um, there's a couple There's a couple sites out there that I've been looking for. Uh, but my, my you know where I've scored the best luck is actually on Reddit. Um, oh, really? On Reddit, there's a bunch of 3D printing threads, uh, or subreddits, you'd call them, um, that there's a bunch of guys out there that, they do stuff in different scales, but the beauty with the 3D printer is if you have a – you can't do it with the software that they tell you to download for the 3D printer. You have to get like um, – you have to get a different 3D modeling software. There's a couple of them out there. I don't need to go into that right now. There's a couple of different ones out there that let you scale down or, or manipulate 3D files um, to fit what you need. So say someone's doing like a larger scale or smaller scale than what I'm doing – or we what we model, I can just pop it in the STL file into my um, my 3D modeling software and rescale it to what I need to, and maybe make a, maybe make a modifi- modification or two, and uh, it's ready to roll for what we need. So just because oh, someone yeah. someone's out there making like something that's double or triple the size that we do, I can make it work for what we have if if it's something that we can use. So that's like the beauty of it. And the online community, just like model railroading online right now with these Facebook groups and and these forums, is there's so many people out there that are just putting out stuff to help other people that you don't even need to like. There's so much free content out there and free help out there from people who just want to help other people in the hobby um whether it's 3d printing or model railroading that it's endless right right oh yeah and i i think you know i think it's just gonna we're gonna see more and more of that stuff as it evolves and and more availability and, and the other thing that i've seen is really neat is the um the scanners yes, who are doing yeah. like scans of people so they'll dress you up in period clothing and have you stand there and they will scan somebody. There's a company, I think it's in England, and they're scanning um, like drivers and people in period costume, and you know, trying to find people. Oh my in, gosh! You know, you know, trying to find people in long dresses with parasols and things like that. Well, there's one prizer kit, <laughs> same lady a thousand times. 
But as we get more of these things, people are like, well, I want a, I want a 19, you know, I want my dad's 1974 pickup truck. I'm going to yeah. just scan it and print it. You know, you go out there and walk around it and scan it and put it into the computer. And, you know, we're well, a few years away from that, but uh, and, I definitely think it's going to be something we're well, going to see. Well, we're not too far from it because um, the availability of a, of, of three, of, of not just 3D printing, but now 3D scanning is is growing because my work just picked up a 3d scanner um and I, like i said i work in the medical industry so we can we can we're doing things for um you know people's mouths but the ability to 3d scan on a consumer level is it's getting there and it's not too i just as fast as 3d printing blew up 3D scanning is going to become very, very affordable in the future. I, I just, just my prediction. One, um, one of our upcoming guests that we have, um, it has, um, he is definitely, he does a small, maybe you've seen it, Greg, uh, already. I know Dave Kruiswick has, has put some of his, his small mammals and things that he, this guy prints and uh, mini prints. And, yeah. um, uh, now he to to be able to reproduce animals of that quality and detail, he has had to done some kind of three D scanning to make that happen. I can't wait to talk to him in a couple of weeks here uh, and, and see what what he does. I want to pick his brain because have you seen them? They're so detailed. I, that's where I get that's where I get some of my figures from. Oh, he okay. Actually, well, there you go. He actually, uh, I worked with him on my little werewolves. Um, uh-huh. Okay, and he pulled them from one of those sites, and he was able to with the software he's in. He has he can manipulate them and rescale them, and do some like movement of arms and stuff like that. But he's got a series now of figures that he's been working on, and it's like railroad workers actually doing railroad stuff. Yeah, um, I saw them. You know, it isn't you know it isn't guy standing in pocket next to switch. It's a guy yeah. actually hanging on side of rail car. Right. Um, so I don't know where he's getting those if he's got. Uh, some software, so that's definitely what I'm looking forward to too. Yeah, uh, be interesting to see where he's how he's doing those. And and oh. and and we're not, you know, this this question was brought up before. I don't think the 3D printing and scanning industry is ever going to take over the manufacturing side from our, you know the kit manufacturers. No, in fact, I think that's no. going to make you know because no, I still like to build them. I still like to build. No, but that's that is and- a that is a worry that you know I think a lot of. Um, so, not a lot of some people might have from the industry. I don't see yeah. that being the case. I think what it's going to do is make actually make them better. Yeah. So well, there's certain uh, I know Bowser and I think Athern yeah. are already using 3D uh, printed materials either to make masters or to make certain parts for things because it's just not economic or you can't quite do it in the material they want to do. Right. And it's easier for them to have a whole bunch of these printed out and put on their model because it's only one railroad had this one weird light or there's only one railroad that has this one here horn. And in the old day, some guy who was a jeweler had <laughs> to carve the thing out of wax, which uh, I don't know if you've met anybody who can still do that. But it's, yep, you know, not, a, lo- not a lot of guys, not a lot of guys sitting in their basement carving stuff out of wax. And it's crazy. One of my very good friends is a jeweler. He does, he does custom jewelry for a um for places uh like chain jewelry stores like uh k's and you know zales and things like that uh where he actually designs jewelry designer jewelry 
um, details stuff and he carves it in wax. He has, a, I've been to his shop last week and it's just insane, uh, in his, in his home. And it's absolutely insane. Uh, he showed me how he does that with the wax. It's, he, Brett, he wants to show us. Uh, uh, he wants to give you and I both a tour of all that and his three D printers, all that shit. Tell me when uh, and where, and I'll be right. there. I mean, to cut you off. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 an it's an impre- it's an art form. It's a whole nother yeah. art yeah. form, and um, to have somebody do something like that, you know, it's a very spe- very specific set of skills. But right. now with the three D printer um, and the scanners and available resources out there, um, you, know, you can put together all sorts of fun stuff real quick, or a lot quicker than sitting there and hand carving it. Um, yeah. And then if you make a little mistake when you print, you go in and you make a few adjustments and you reprint it. You're not having to like you know squish the wax and start all over again. <laughs> so, uh, so there's just some cool, just some cool technologies out there that are you know been here for a while but as they become more commercially or consumer available then you're you're just right. see kind of some more stuff um, absolutely now on your detail parts and things like that do you do you do you really enjoy painting all those little detail parts uh glutton for punishment i really kind of do uh, i usually <laughs> I was do doing it tonight before the show so i, I do too i'm into it i do batches so i'll like i said so i'll pick through my and I'll have something like I kind of started or didn't use or whatever. So I'll pick through all my stuff for a building and yeah. I'll set them up on a little board that I've got a little, I don't know, maybe it's six by six or eight by eight piece of plywood. Mm-hmm. And I'll hit them with a little bit of um, uh, primer, uh, gray primer. And mm-hmm. then I'll sit there and, you know, do everything that's green. Then I'll paint, do everything that's red. <laughs> and I'll paint, <laughs> do everything that's blue. I've done that. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, it's kind of cool. It's, you know, it's almost like uh, watching a printing press, you know, as you do all the colors, right. you know, it doesn't look like anything. It doesn't like look a like four anything. color press. Yeah. yeah. Then, then all of a sudden, oh, wow, that's starting to look like something. You right. Know? Um, and then you're going back in and adding detail. And um, I do crazy things like cut down micro brushes into mm-hmm. little tiny, you know, one dot things. And I'll put little dots on things and I'll uh, get into Adobe uh, Photoshop and find photos of stuff on the Internet and resize it down to little tiny signs that no one can actually read, but I know they're there and you know, I'll put, I'll put, put shipping labels on my, on my boxes and my crates and, you know, put picture frames on the walls and stuff like that. Um, just, just those little, little bits and pieces that, um, uh, it's not a lot, but man, it sure adds, it sure adds oh, yeah. to the scene. Absolutely. So that's good. I, I like it tonight. I get absorbed into it and I'll dig out like a handful of things I need for this particular model. And it may not have come with the, if it's a kit, it may have not come with a kit. It may have been, I always take the ones from, I don't always use all the ones that came with the kit for that particular kit. I pick and choose. And then I go through my collection of stuff in little tons of little boxes and I'll pick and sort through the ones I want to give that, that look, you know? And, um, and then I sit and paint them. I'll spend an evening painting them and I get lost and I'll turn the music on and just sit there. I, and until you're done, you ever notice you have like a hundred bottles of paint laying all over your counter until you're done. <laughs> and, um, but you get them done. You go, uh, and you, you put them, you put the details on your, on your structure or around your structure 
And then when you're all done, you start quickly putting all the bottles away, you know, hiding them. <laughs> you take some pictures and you don't want to see all the bottles in the background. But yeah, well, so I'm done painting um, small detail parts, which I love to do because I get lost in it. Um, they're, they're, my, my workbench is a hellhole. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I'll do this. Like I said, I'll, I'll do, I'll do like all of kind of one color, but you know, I never put the one away. So I just get it out and I've got then that one, then the next one. And then I'll be like, Oh wait, this one also needed blue. So I'll have to get that back out. And I'll, I'll have, you know, sometimes two or three paint palettes going too. So I've got oh, yeah. my primary colors <laughs> and then ones I've mixed and then I've ran out of space. So I need this one over here just for this new color. I need to mix. And I'm like, I don't know what is going on here. And then, uh, Oh, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun to have those little scenes or little details, and it's really rewarding when something um, like I'll do something simple like some palettes, and you know some of some of the like the laser cut ones are better than the plastic ones, and some of them yeah. are just goofy looking. And right. when you can take something that is you know either bare metal or something that is plastic and make it look like you know either aged wood or brand new or whatever yeah. it is, you're like, wow, man, look what I did. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, I found that if I spray like plastic pallets I bought from somewhere, can't remember the manufacturer, it might have been Walders. They had like this big pack of plastic pallets. And if you just build them like that and you, uh, you build them as they are and then you have and you and you paint them with a, uh, a basic primer and then stick them out there, you know, like brown. OK, well, they don't ever really look good. You know, yeah. So I'll cut little. I'll take my nippers on them once I get them assembled, and I'll start nipping corners of the pallets off, like you see in a warehouse. You see some of the pallets aren't in, in such great shape. They're not all pallets are perfect. Go to go somewhere anywhere where they have a warehouse where they have pallets and they have stacks of them, and look at their pallets, and you'll see if they're all misshapen and bent and cut off pieces of wood. Some of the wood's missing a a slat's missing. Um, and go through your go through your plastic palace and, and take the nippers to them and then spray paint them with that camouflage, uh, you know, uh, cam- camo colored uh, spray paint that we were talking about earlier. Uh, I like the khaki to make it a wood color and then uh, highlight that wood color when it's dry with uh, some some acrylic different shades of acrylic browns with a very thin very very thin uh, liner brush you know a script liner brush and just kind of give it some different tones and you will bring out you'll make it look like a real like you said a plastic palette look like a real palette you know yeah but and that's what those are some of the things i find kind of the most rewarding um like you, you know, i you know there's some manufacturers that do like a really good job of selling their products because when they they put it on a nice diorama and they put all the stuff around it and you see the other ones where it's just like you know they rolled out the grass mat from 1970 and then <laughs> stuck their stuck their building on it and it might yeah. actually be a superior kit or a superior you know model right but if you don't if you don't show that of the full potential of it and and that's even the little details even if it's details not included um it it doesn't they look like they've just you know been dropped out of the sky and landed on this weird plane that they just kind of exist (laughs) and uh i think it's those you know those little things like um on my on my walters it's you know sitting here looking at it i've got some 
pallets shoved up underneath the building is kind of up on stilts and some old bags and I put some spilled kind of material next to it and um, right. cuz they're just you know little bits of wood and grass and and it's all the stuff that if you go walk around any business there's always that one corner where they just kind of dump stuff like there's <laughs> well, well you know we'll, we'll put that over there for another day and it's been there forever so yeah, yeah. you know most places most places aren't trash but there's always just but most some, places even better pla- better well kept places have that like you just said that one little pile somewhere Right, well, like you, you go to a shopping center. You drive, drive the backside of a mall, yeah. and there's always just stuff back there. And that's you know most <laughs> most of the side that's the railroad looks at, anyways, is you know the yeah. good side of the building. Right, and that's what you got to think. Is you got to think, you know, who's who's going to be back here? Nobody. So that's a good spot to throw that bag of fertilizer that has a big hole in it. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just leave it back there. Right. Um, I, I ate my McDonald's. That's a good spot to throw my trash. So <laughs> those kind of things are the things, you know, we talked about it earlier, the, the going around and looking for stuff. Um, right. Even the most mundane little detail, even some of those little, you know, weird things like uh, um, I, I was kind of joking the other day. I've been building some wooden trussles and it's like I have never been under a bridge that didn't have a tire under it. Don't know yeah. how they get there, but there's always just at least one tire under every. <laughs> there's a guy. There's a guy at three. Right. A, there's a guy at three a.m. somewhere tossing tires just, under every bridge. Yeah, there's just, a, just like, it's his I, job. I don't know what it is, but if there's not a tire under the bridge, it's not a real bridge. So, you know, kind of, kind of as a kind of as a joke, I always put like one tire under every bridge I model. Um, but it's little things like that that, uh, and you know. I don't know, 999 out of a thousand people will never see that thing. No. But the one person that sees it, you know, hey, hey, cool. You know, I saw that. That That's what I do a lot of my model. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, I, I'll put little little things on my build, like the, uh, the little Nixon posters on my, um, my Walters yeah. building. Um, you know, it gives you a time and place. I mean, that was, you know, his poster from running for election in 1968. Right. Um. You know, most people, oh, cool, you got some posters on it. Oh, that's cool. You've know, got some, you know, a couple guys standing out front. Yeah. And then you really start reading, you know, start looking at what, oh, oh that's a Nixon poster. And no, that's, right. you know, I think the, that's your time there. Yeah. So the other one, which I don't think anyone's ever actually commented on, but it's kind of funny because it's, uh, I think it's the county coroner. He's uh, running, running for office. So, and that was an actual. <laughs> I found it's from 1968. It's Clark County, which is the county that's in Washington, that's just mm-hmm. north of here. And uh, I thought that was kind of hilarious. But everyone sees the Nixon poster, but no one yeah. reads the the county corner. You know, right? <laughs> what an odd thing to have a sign for. That's so cool. Uh, we right. do a lot of World War II posters, and you can find them all over the place. But there's some really, really cool ones out there uh, that were done, like propaganda posters and things like that, and people plastered everywhere. And, uh, you know, nobody really can read them, you know, from the human eye. But if you get them with a camera and start looking, somebody may see that, you know, and that's, that's cool. Then, then hopefully somebody's going to be able to look at that. I know it's there, even though the viewer may not, from a human eye, standing there looking at it, isn't going to pick it up. But if somebody gets in there with a camera, uh, they're going to say, oh, hey, you know what? He's got actual World War Two, even the little mini um, papers that you hang on a door, you know, um, that, that you may not see with the human eye, but if you do zoom in with that camera, you're going to pick it up. 
uh, to me, that's important. You, you, you brought that up a little bit ago. Um, you may not, they may not see it, but I know it's there. And that is, uh, Brett knows how I am. It, I, I, I'm going to try and put that on there, even though I know somebody may not see it. But a trained eye, but a trained eye will pick it up. feel better. What's that? A, a, someone with a good trained eye for that kind of stuff yeah, will pick it up. Right, right. To me, it's important it's there. I want to make sure it looks like that. You know, not everybody feels that way, but but I, I like that. It, it would bother me if I didn't. Yeah. Well, and my goal, my goal with my modeling is if someone's walking by, I want them to stop and look at what I've done. Right. And then I want them as they look at my models, even, even the, like the, the, the thing I built for the, the contest, it's pretty simple. <laughs> Two buildings, a grain silo. And, but I want you to, as you look, keep seeing little things. There's just a little bit more and a little bit more. The story and continues I, to add. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm always trying to do is if I can catch your eye, cool, and then I'm going to keep you engaged because of all these little things. And then as you start noticing stuff, you're going to start looking for more things. Right. So, you know, kind of leading people down that. And that's that visual storytelling and, and kind of the fun. You know, that's what I really like about model railroading is it's not only is it dynamic that the trains move, mm-hmm. uh, but then you can really enhance a scene and really – Really tell the story without having to have some script or some. This is exactly what this is, and and let people kind of draw their own, you know, draw their own conclusions and things like that. So I think having having those little signs and little, you know, little bits of stuff around and and little activities that are occurring. Um, you know, you're looking at your guys at waterfront. You can sell. Well, you know, these are all the bars, and there's bad things happening in the, you know, in the gutters and the alleys and things like that. And then the longer you look, you know, the more the more bad things you start to notice is, are going on. <laughs> uh, but that's the fun of that. It's like, oh, cool, nice, nice, you know, nice model of a nice model. And then they're like, why are there forty bars over here? But no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> why is he fighting in the alley? And there's a guy yeah. puking over there. Yeah, yeah. We actually yeah. have someone yet, but yeah. yeah. Uh, they're just crawling. You know, two but, got two legs, two legs sticking out behind a dumpster. Going, <laughs> right, yeah. sure, sure, um, I get it. So little things like that, where you know you can keep you know keep showing you know showing your work and, and adding little things and, right. and getting people to look look more deeply into deeply into the scene. You know, mm-hmm. even something simple like the little dioramas I do, I always try to add little little bits of storytelling to them, um, and I don't. You know, I have an idea of what the story is, but I don't blatantly like this is exactly what's happening. Like, here's the script. So I let people kind of tell their own stories too. And mm-hmm. People find different meanings and different different things that are important to them, right. which I think is you know kind of the ultimate goal. Well, now when we we we're going to briefly touch on this here, um, but you have done some modeling contests, and one of them recently was our our contest that we had for Halloween uh, where you built the, the cemetery on the hill and uh, the hillside thing. That was beautiful, by the way. It was super cool. And um, But you've done lots of different diorama scenes and contests. Um, you've recently done one we were talking about earlier with Walters. Um, what was uh, what was all involved with that one? No, Walters. So- <laughs> The Walters contest was the first national model railroad build off, which is a very long name, but that's what they went with. 
And there was essentially four categories. There was uh, adult, adult group, youth, and a youth group. And then, you know, coronavirus hit, so things got a little wonky. So I think originally um, it was supposed to happen starting in March, and the big final finale was supposed to be at the National Train Show, which didn't happen. So (laughs) dates got pushed, you know, with the whole coronavirus. It was kind of hard to encourage people to, like, go hang out with your friends in the basement and build them on a railroad. (laughs) So – there were there were entries for both of the group the youth the youth uh, team and the adult team and then the youth individual and the adult individual. So the one thing was you had to buy uh, kind of a starter kit. So there was certain things that had to be included. So uh, from the the one I picked, it had the the feed and seed, it had the co op, and it had the uh, elevator leg and the grain bin. And then it had like this forklift and those pallets and some sacks of uh, whatever. And everyone started with the same material. And then you had to build to their specifications a two foot by four foot module for the adult individual. And then there were some other little, you know, backdrop had to be so high and the, the sides had to be so tall and things like that. So you got graded on uh, use of materials conformance to the rules and then just overall look um and i'm not even sure they said hundreds of people participated (laughs) Um, so i don't even know how many in my group participated but their big thing was uh um instagram they wanted you to post on instagram so that was kind of my first instagram thing it started really uh i had an old page for my model railroad stuff but i started this new page for this and um, just kind of did progress photos as I went and try to keep kind of a log of what I was doing and took my final photos and sent them in and waited, waited to be judged and uh, ended up winning. So, uh, uh, so cool. And I, we all kind of followed along with that when they were doing it and uh, you were posting pictures up of it and we all kind of followed along with that. And you can see it, of course, uh, when they were doing the national NMRA was, person you're the, the ones that won and uh it was so cool to see because we knew we knew you from you know the show and everything else and then you know following along with all you know the friendships we made with you and then everybody all the miler friends that we have on here many of our show guests as well we've all met you or talked with you or you know met you online and then to see somebody like that that we're acquainted with and we're friends with. And then you see the work up there. It was really special for all of us to see that it was cool that you had won. And it it was so well done, you know, and it wasn't the only contest you've won, right? You won some others. No, I've, let's see one year guy, one, your Halloween one, won the Walters one, (laughs) um, recently won the, uh, Motrack, uh, models. Uh, he had a kit that he sent out, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, was it Giles or something like that? Little supposed to be a little transfer warehouse thingy, and I made it into kind of a an office, a shipping and receiving office on the land side of a uh, of a pier. Um, right. So I put a detailed interior, changed the roof, did some things like that. So uh, right. won won that contest. Um, 
The other thing I've been doing and kind of touched on this earlier about not staying in, you know, the aisle at the model railroad shop is right. I've been on a group on Instagram that has a monthly um, building contest for war gaming. Oh. And I don't do war gaming, <laughs> but <laughs> it's uh it's, tr- it's a terrain building competition. So they're, you have, they start with a four by four base and you, um, or the, the one, the larger one I built was a four by eight or four mm-hmm. by, yeah, four by eight. And, um, it's, they'll give you a theme and they're pretty broad themes. Uh, so last month was this will please the gods. Go with that where you want. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so that was the, the little church I did with the billboard. And yes. yeah, that was so cool. that, so that the, the theme for that one is this will please the gods. Mm-hmm. So I actually took uh, some old ads from the thirties that the Zephyr, which is the God of wind, Greek God of wind, and mm-hmm. I found a painting of the California Zephyr, and I did some other stuff, and I made my own billboard. Uh, <laughs> and then the church is obviously abandoned, and it's going to be replaced by Olympus Tower, which is, you know, actually, I think it's um, Caesar's Palace in Vegas. Right. Okay. So, but that's, that's what the sign is, is Olympus. But <laughs> under the church... Under the church, I put a little uh, – there's a little ladder that kind of leads up into the church from down below, and there's a little uh, – like a Greek god down underneath there. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, so just kind of some – like that would not be anything I'd ever build for a model railroad. But, no, uh, that's so cool. But it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I built was uh, I built that bridge with the tree, the autumn tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and the little trestle and the theme for that one was crossing. Yeah, that was, so, cool. that was super so, cool too. So one of the reasons, you know, I'm, I'm not really, you know, there to, I mean, you don't even really win anything other than just, you know, it's a hundred, hundred ish people that participate and um, you get kind of kudos and you move on, but it's pushing me out of my normal model railroad area, trying different things, doing something that's on a, uh, uh, a size or a scale that is limited, but then trying to figure out how you can get like the most in a four by four with, you know, pushing the limits. Right. Um, so that's like the, uh, the mine I did that little, it's a uranium mine. is what I decided it was. Um, yeah. that one could be, so the rule is the base has to be four by eight, but it can extend two inches on either side, but it can't be on the, but it has to be up off the base. You can go in all sides, at least two inches. So like, what what can I make that would fit into this? And then that actually operates. Uh, it's actually wired up, so I can actually operate a little in-scale locomotive back and forth on it if I want to. Oh, that's a cool idea. Um, but it's these little things, you know, and I used to participate in, um, oh, let's see, railroad line forums used to have kind of a yearly competition. Yep. Um, there was a couple other groups that had... You know, and most mostly it's just for like, here are the three things that you have to use, or here's the building you have to start with, or here's here's whatever it is. And for me, um, it gives me an opportunity to try something that I may or may not ever try, and then really kind of push, you know, see what other people are doing, and then push myself to do a little bit better. Um, so yeah, so sometimes I win, and 
sometimes I don't. And, but yeah. either way, I always kind of end up with cool stuff. <laughs> I've only ever done one. I did one contest on Instagram that Doug Fiscali ran for Fosco Models. And uh, I did. That's the only contest I've ever done. I did one of his models. Obviously, it was um, uh, the Giorno fish that he has, and I did that and detailed it out pretty good and put uh, some, you know, he uh, made the the pilings and everything that were all encrusted in the in the um, the white. Uh, what do they call that? Uh, Shoot the um, I, I, every every episode I always moments you where get I a stumble moment. Yeah, stumble. <laughs> I lose my mind. But um, the barnacles, the barnacles. Yeah, yeah. So I put all that stuff on, and, and, and uh, it was it, I had a lot of fun with it. And that's the only I should do more contests. I I really haven't, and I did that when it, I actually won it, which was cool. And I got a, uh, a gift certificate from it, and, and it, you know it, it wasn't so much that it was just a. The, the fun of doing it, you know? And win or lose, it was just the fun of building it and doing it. Um, it's tougher when we're doing a show and, and the website and everything um, to, to actually find the time to, to, to put the effort into into doing a contest. I think I'm going to have to try it again sometime. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can see how rewarding that could be as well. Just for your own you, – whether you win or lose, you, you win, you know, in, in my opinion. Oh, no, so. yeah, and and for me, I, I don't know if it's just the nature of how I am, but I find that I work better with a deadline. I never, mm-hmm. I never like stress out and be like, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna not finish this model." Um, <laughs> I'm like, eh, well," and I've, I've joined a couple and went, "Well, that's not gonna happen this time." You know, life gets in the <laughs> way. Um, but it's like, oh, at least I, don't, I have a kit now that I can put together whenever. Or I didn't even buy the stuff, so you know, it's not. It's not like oh, I'm. I'm. This is how I'm going to make all my money. I'm going to win model railroading. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. sure. I'm ready to retire now. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Good luck with that. You know, go, go live under a bridge with my with my tires and <laughs> my bridge. Um, yeah, it's you know if if I win, you know if I win something great, you know that's you know a. a cost of the kid or you know a little extra spending money or you know yeah. buy buy something else with it um right. you know it's not uh you know i'm not i'm not not trying to make a you know i've got a job i don't need a right. I don't need another job but <laughs> but but having a but having a like oh i need to have this done by you know the middle of january at least right. it gives me a goal and it gives me something to to work towards otherwise i will probably just do a hundred different things and not get anything done right so right exactly that's great that you do that so um one last thing we're going to do before beforehand is uh we didn't take reader questions this time we just kind of we just kind of rolled with it and we've covered over two hours and um but um we're going to cover one of our, we're going to do one feature that we always do with our guests and, and our own show. And that's the music. Do you listen to music when you work on your, on your work, on your work? Page? I, I do. I do. Yeah. Well, what have you, what kind of music do you listen to? What have you listened to recently? So I'm, I, you know, graduated from high school in 2000. So I listened to a lot of nineties alternative Okay. Uh, so I've got that on my my Pandora. Uh, so you know, a little mix of uh, Nirvana and a little Blink One Eighty Two, and um, I love that so stuff. 
so that that that's kind of my go to. Uh, he's closer my, to my go-to music set. He's closer um, to my genre, my time frame of music that than yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah <you know, laughs> one and things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so that that's usually my go-to, and I'll either just have it kind of playing in the background, or put my earbuds in and listen to it. But uh, yeah. um, you know, it's not not like oh my gosh, I have to like sit there and when I'm doing stuff, when I'm painting, when I'm working on stuff, I don't want to have to also like DJ my own, you know, soundtrack. <laughs> so I'm, always, right. I'm always trying to find something that's like, I can put this on and every song that's going to play, I'm going to enjoy. Right. So that's, that's usually what I'm usually what I'm looking for. I do that same thing. I kind of find a playlist and go with it. And, or I just put that, you know, put a couple albums on that, you know, online music and just kind of go, go with that, you know, and I'm fine with something it. that, you know, you can get a few hours of work in without having to be like, ah, I hate this. Right. I need to switch again. I need to switch again. Yeah. I need to switch again. Right. S- sitting there, with, sitting there with your hands, you know, in plaster and looking over, going, "Man, this song, oh. yeah, come on!" Man. <laughs> you know, and I, I was just this week. I've been into the uh, jazz, and I was just listening to some jazz, and uh, and it gets into some slow, just like you were saying, you get into some slow jazz to where it's like really, really. There's some I like some upbeat stuff, you know, even some ragtime jazz, and then, um, but I I was like my hands are covered in paint. I want to get over to my phone and change the music I was streaming to the uh, uh, Bluetooth speaker, but it's like I can't touch it, and it's like Coltrane, and it's real slow. <laughs> you know, like really, I, I I gotta listen to this for the next six minutes, you know, and sometimes the, the jazz themes. Uh, jazz songs can go on or ballads and they go on for like 12 to 14 minutes and you go, oh my god it's gonna be forever you know but um I, they, you know then you find some then you play i i, I kind of mix it you know you put it on the what do they call it the um um when it just uh it shuffle or whatever shuffle yeah, shuffle yeah and uh i'm gonna shuffle it and you know you'll get good ones and then you'll get one of them and you're like oh man so now I've just learned to find one particular type of upbeat kind of music and just kind of keep it going. But uh, Brett, what have you been listening to? I've been listening to, you're going to laugh at this one. I just, do. <laughs> <laughs> this was not, this was not very like, I don't feel, I'm not embarrassed about this one though. Just instrumental. Are you listening to Kids Bop again? Yeah, Kids Bop. Kids Bop 42. No. Um, no. Just instrumental jazz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like no lyrics. I've just been putting it on down here. It's a little different yeah, than the. That's what I was listening to. That's weird that we did that. We both did that. Mine not, doesn't have lyrics either. Not like elevator music, but just like. Yeah. Like the old school, like swing jazz, but with yeah. no with no lyrics to it. There's a I found a I found a YouTube music channel with just instrumental instrumental jazz music and I've been I've been down with it lately. Cool. So. Cool. Well, that's great. Well, we've covered a lot tonight, Greg, and we were, you know, very we we are very thankful that you were able to spend the time. with I feel us like and, there's uh, more we haven't touched on though. Oh, so. Yeah. yeah, we need to get them on again. You know, what we number. need to start doing. I was thinking about this. Brett and I've been talking about this a little bit. Uh, this last week or so, and that is, um, we are we're looking for some different ideas and, and how to do some things, and and I think it would be great uh, to start getting several of you model 
model builders like we are uh, on together, like having maybe you and you and Jason or you and you know somebody else, or or having uh, you know, like Craig Brotman and and uh, some some of the other people on as a group, you know, like like two other people besides Brett and I. And I was thinking about that, not all the time, but uh, this way we can get you guys on more often and we can all share and interact at ideas and you'll have the ideas of four people going on at one time and kind of keep the listener involved with uh, different um, uh, different building things. We are all very um, able to share our, our thoughts and ideas and give the tips and ideas to the, to the listener because that's primarily what our our goal has always been with this show is that other people can learn from uh the guests and people that we have on and, yeah. and whatever we have picked up so that's something down in the future we'd love to have you on again for for doing these kind of things and and covering we could keep we can we could make We're this, just more modeling talk an eight hour show we could have made this an eight hour show no <laughs> easy but, um, easy yeah yeah but we thank you for coming on tonight, and uh, we hope you had a good time. And um, we look forward to having you again. I love seeing your work, and and uh, we'll we'll be following you. All right, thank you guys so yeah. much. It was really great being on, and uh, uh, great to just be part of this community. And uh, uh, you, you did you did remember to hit record, right? I did hit record. <laughs> so Greg's Greg's from the original you know uh, original episodes when. Uh, he knows that I had to uh, re-record a couple because of my uh, technical errors. So, uh, <laughs> no, we did hit record. We're good to go. You don't have to do this twice. Um, but, again, hey, Greg, I do want to thank you also just for kind of, you know, you've always been a great supporter of the show. Um, you've been there since the beginning with us. And uh, through good and bad, you've 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 listened to hopefully most of the episodes and had a good couple good laughs with us. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, and it means a lot to us just, you know, to have listeners like you and especially now that you're on the show and, and we've got to talk with you for a little bit. It, it means a lot to us. So, uh, I just wanted to thank you for that. Yeah, no problem guys. Thanks so much. So, all right. Well, Hey, thank you guys for tuning in for another week of the bench time podcast. And I hope everyone has an awesome weekend. That's a wrap. All righty. Hey, we're done. I hit, 